Healed with Dr. Fred podcast. Healed is a system organized into six simple steps to heal your life that helps you tap into your innate divinity, heal of your past, and discover and live your soul and life purpose, the reason you are truly here in this life. You are going to be listening to people who have faced their challenges and traumas in life, found a way through them, and are now living and fulfilling their soul and life purpose. These episodes will be enlightening, heartwarming, emotional, restore hope, faith, and inspiration to you to live all you are created to be. Everyone is welcome. Welcome to Heal with Dr. Fred, and I'm very excited today because this podcast is about finding people around the world that have, I guess you could say, traumatic or life-changing human experiences where they rise up, their spirit rises up, they rise above that challenge, and they find a purpose to make a difference in humanity. And so I met this fine young gentleman that was an angel in a traumatic event that the whole world knows about, Miracle on the Hudson. You were a a passenger, David Sanderson, and uh, you did the opposite of what most people would do. Your spirit rose up, you have a great story, and uh, you're really an inspiration for people to show that we're really here to contribute to others. So thank you for being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you, Dr. Fred. I'm I'm honored to be here with you today to be able to share the story. Yeah, so I I heard your story at a seminar we were at. You were another speaker there, and I'm like, oh, my God, man, I have to to put this on this podcast. So there you were. I mean, you had a life. You traveled. You were probably in the Million Mile Club and flying around your job, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, here it is. So tell us about a little bit about your life before that incident. And then what changed after that? You know, you hit it right on the head because I was traveling three, four days a week all over the country, right? Because I was a sales manager for a large technology company. I had responsibility for a division called Consumer Packaged Goods in the Southeast United States. You know, those, those people were basically making goods and distributing goods and selling goods. So those things are manufactured all over the country right, and all over the world. So that's why I was traveling so much. So yeah, I did that since what nineteen, well, nineteen eighty nine. Wow. When you made uh, a so, comment yeah. that you didn't, you didn't yeah. spend as much time as your family as you would like. I think I remember. Most that. definitely, most definitely. I, you know, you look back at the, the backstory of that is the you know, I, I modeled my father. I think as I as I look back because my father grew up in the thirties. You, you know, and, and the model of the world that he had was that uh, you know fathers worked, brought home the bacon. Mom stayed home, raised the kids, right? Yeah. That was, and that was the model of the world, right? There's nothing wrong with that back in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, right? It's just what it was. So that's how, when I grew up in the 60s, that's how I grew up. So I saw how I modeled what I was doing. I was a breadwinner. I had to provide and do all this. So that's why you know, I was gone so much. And yeah, I, I was missing a lot of things with my family because of that, because I, I wanted to be there for them. So you well, know, you know, I did that. Funny, you know, let me interrupt real quick because that was the generation before us, right? I mean, you and I are probably yeah. some ages. I'm going to be 63. You might be a little bit younger, but it was like, Dad, no, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm right with Make you. your sons tough, and if you have a problem, talk to your mother. <laughs> That's right. 
talk to the coach, talk to somebody, right? Yeah, because yeah. I'm busy because I'm tired. I worked all week, right? I'm going to play golf, which I did not do, just FYI. When I came home all week as I was with the family. But no. So, yeah, so when I was traveling, that week was I was in a three-day business trip. I started in Sarasota, Florida. The next stop on, that was Tuesday of that week. Wednesday of that week, I was working in a manufacturing plant in Petersburg, Virginia. And so, you know, I, and the next stop was going to be uh, Brooklyn, New York the next day because we were going from corporate office to manufacturing to distribution. That's, that was our week because we were, we were doing systems checks, so, you know, evaluating systems to help them, you know, hopefully, hopefully upgrade their systems. So, yeah, we got on the plane there in Richmond, Virginia, headed north to you know, New York because we were going to be in the distribution center and got there late that night. And the distribution center opened up at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, we were there at 5 a.m. So, you know, and we didn't have, didn't have much sleep, but went in because that's all the action starts in the middle of the night. That's where the trucks come in, right? Yeah. So we were there with all the, all the action was going on. So we got done at 10 o'clock. And, you know, my game plan was, and still is to an extent, I usually schedule the last flight out of the day, a last direct flight, because you never know how the day is going to go. So at least you buy some time. So if you get done early like we did that day, I could get an earlier flight. And that's what happened. So I wasn't supposed to be on that flight 1549. I, I called the travel agent. She put me on it. And I got to the airport. I went, ran to the, got to the airport. I ran to the airport to make sure I got on the flight. And then the flight was delayed. But, you know, if you've been in New York City, like I was a couple of days ago, all the flights are delayed. So, yeah. I mean, that's no big deal, right? I mean, yeah. that's nothing unusual. It was 11 degrees of snowing. And, you know, so it's no big deal. But I was one of the first people to board the plane, Dr. Fred, because of what you just said. Because I was, I was over a million mile flyer. I mean, I flew all the time. So I had privileges. I had privileges, right? Yeah. Got on the plane, went back to my seat. I went to seat 15A. And for the first time, I tell, I tell this, for the first time, it was the first time I actually sort of looked at the seat that I would have had in first class at 5 o'clock. I'm like, that's the first time I thought, like, you know what? You know, you got to fly a lot to get those seats. That was sort of the first time I started thinking about it. It's like, you know, I fly a heck of a lot. I'm away a lot from my family. I had a young family then, too. I had a very young family. So, you know, I was like, First, I was like, you know what? I'm flying way alive because I've sat there usually. But went back to my seat. Nothing unusual, right? Didn't pay attention. I'm like your normal guy. I know everything, right? I know everything on a plane. So, you know, what do I, why do I need to pay attention? So I didn't pay attention, right? And took off, right? Nothing unusual about the takeoff, right? Everything's normal. And then as he started banking, you know, he, uh, I've been out of LaGuardia, the way the runways go, they run out into the bay, and the normal flight patterns, as I've learned, are already banked north, and then they start making the turns, wherever they're going to go, right? Yeah. So nothing unusual, but uh, as we got to, you know, start going up, I heard an explosion. And I hadn't heard anything like that on a plane before, so that one sort of woke me up, right? I was like, okay. I looked out the window, I saw fire coming out, underneath the left wing. So, you know, I knew uh, something had happened, but you know what? I fly a lot. No big deal. Lost an engine. Going back. I'm not going to get home early, right? It is what it is. But, you know, as he started banking and uh, I saw that fire, as all of a sudden I looked out the window and I saw the skyline of Manhattan. It was like, I've never seen that flight pattern before, right? Never seen that. And then I looked out, I saw this bridge coming up. Like, never seen that before. Yeah, we're and a little bit all, low right now. <laughs> well, we're descending. We went from 3,000 feet. The time the birds hit were 3,000 feet, right? That's when the birds hit. That's about, I think, it's a big, it makes it like one in a billion shot because both engines got knocked out by birds at the exact same second. So there's only one big pop, one big explosion. So you didn't and know I both tell people, engines were out. 
Yeah, everybody thought, well, we have another engine, right? We have another engine, right? So no one knew, right? I think and that's what I was actually, I think of a saving grace because I think if everybody did know, then people start freaking out. Yeah. People start, right? But no one knew. So I was like, okay, no so big the deal. We're back. talking to the right. <laughs> no one was talking to anybody, man. Everybody's <laughs> quiet. It's like, okay, I guess we're not getting home early, right? But yeah, that's what he said his famous words, right? And so if you got to remember, the birds hit 3,000 feet. By the time we got to the George Washington Bridge, is where that bridge I was we crossed over, he was at 1,000 feet. So he dropped 2,000 feet within that short span of time, right? But he was a, he was an expert glider pilot. So, I mean, he, he knew he had the ropes, right? He'd done this in a different plane, of course, but he had the acumen, right, to be able to say, okay, I got to glide this, this Airbus. But he could only glide it for so much because of the challenge he had as you look back, now you look back on all this, you know, he's the Monday morning quarterback. And he had to get that plane over the George Washington Bridge. And when you have to clear the bridge, you got to put the nose up. When you put the nose up, you lose speed, right? When you're going down, you got a lot of speed. You're going up, you don't have speed when you don't have any engines. So he, but he got it over the bridge, which is, it was miraculous. Another I thought, I thought, I tell people, you know, that doesn't get talked about as not, that's why I always bring it up. And I think, you know, he's a thousand feet and the bridge is 600 feet up and he clears that bridge, right? But now you got to get airspeed back up, right? To glide it again. And so he had to put the nose back down. But when he put the nose back down, it's too late. He's going straight into the river, right? And it was about 60 seconds after he crossed over that bridge when he crashed. And oh, um, you guys, okay, so here you are. He's like, brace for impact. Yep. Like, what? Yep. Brace for impact. What what, what's that mean? What's that mean, right? No one, I hadn't heard that one before, right? And then, so I bet you remember, like, look into the thing. Well, how do you brace, right? No one knew, but yeah, so he said brace for impact, and that was the only thing he said the entire time. This is your captain, brace for impact. Only thing he said the entire time. And that's part of the stra- things I, I, I talk about and teach about, you know, when you communicate, right? You have to be effective but if, and also efficient because you don't have time, right? You got to be able to be get the message out quickly. That's an art. That's an art, right? Oh, yeah. This is your captain, brace for impact, said everything you had to say in less than two seconds, Right. So, you know, at that point in time, you sort of, you're checking in, right? Because, you know, you hear that, you're going straight for the river, you're in a big plane, you never see anything good happen when a plane crashes, no. right? I mean, it just, it doesn't happen. I mean, unfortunately, they had two crashes this last week, one in Arizona, one in California. I just saw it, nobody survived, right? So it's, it's, so it's, it's what did you have going through your mind? Brace for impact. I mean, that's definitely an oh shit moment, at least. Well, it's like, I better get my ducks in a row. I better get my ducks in a row, check in with the big guy, right, to make sure that uh, he and I are good, right? I don't want any, any problems now, right? Because if something happened, looked like I was going to happen, I wouldn't have some clear sailing. I didn't want to have to deal with stuff. And, you know, got my wallet out and shoved it down into my pants because I at least want to have some ID on me, someone who knew uh, who could at least identify me if I didn't make it. So that's, that's basically all the time I had to do. I mean, that prayed, you know, prayed a few things. Got my wallet out, figured out how to brace. I didn't know how to brace. I didn't practice bracing. Never had to brace. I did the best that I could, and um, it was a hard hit. I mean, it was a hard hit. I mean, you know, he hit, he estimates he hit between 110, 120 miles an hour. That's, that's like I mean, that's on water. Yeah, I mean, you look at what happened to Dale Earnhardt at Daytona Beach. At uh, the Daytona 500, he hit the wall approximately 200 miles sideways, not straight on, sideways, right? So it's a, it was a hard hit, but man, he hit it perfectly, right? Hit it perfect. 
Because if he doesn't, I, that's why I tell people what, yeah, once again, Monday morning quarterback this thing, Dr. Fred. If he hits that thing just one degree, one degree off, he's either toppling into New York City during rush hour, toppling into Hoboken during rush hour, nose down in one degree, going down to the bottom of the Hudson, or if he goes backward one degree, he's flopping backwards down the river, hitting the bridge. I mean, you know, so if he doesn't hit this thing perfect, which he did, right? So, so you talk about mindset, talk about the mindset, right? Staying focused, what you had to do, right? Focus, right? I mean, I've heard people ask, you know, was he praying? And I've heard, I've heard him on some interviews to say, you know, listen, I have time to pray. I had 150 other people praying for me, right? So, you know, great answer. That's a great answer, you know, because yeah. so, I don't want him. I don't want him praying. I want him executing, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? I'll deal with everything else, right? I'll deal with all that other stuff. But he got it down, but now you have another issue. Now is when the other part two of this play comes out because part one is all him and, and the first officer, right? They executed. Now you got part two. You got a plane sinking quickly in 36 degree water and 155 people in a plane. And you got to get them out because the plane's going down. Because if you saw the plane from the backside or the side, not the front, the back is already broken, sort of broken off, right? Because of impact. So water's coming in. So the back of the plane was already filled with water. Where I was, it was about knee to waist deep immediately. Yeah, that's a got, 15. Well, there's probably yeah. 30 rows, right? Yeah, in the back of the plane, it was already, you know, chest deep water. Where I was, waist, waist deep, front of the plane was about ankle deep, right? Because the plane's sitting like this. It's not flat. It looks sure. like it's flat. It's not. It's like this. Yeah. Right? So now you got another issue. You gotta get you gotta get moving, right? And that's when it comes a team effort, right? Not only the crew and pass crew, but the passengers have to come together. And of course, well, as we found out later, the New York Waterway and the and the ferries were there very quickly. But yeah, now you gotta get out of the plane. So and, you know, one of the planes filling up with water. How did the people react? I mean, was there a massive panic? People were climbing over the seats. What what was the crowd like? The term I used that night with Katie Couric on CBS was. It was controlled chaos. What I meant by controlled chaos is been, things were moving real quick, right? No one's waiting around, but no one was out of sorts, right? No one was out of sorts. That's there awesome. were people climbing over the seats. And that was a great metaphor. That was one of the biggest learnings I had. It was, you know, and it was about resourcefulness and creativity because when you think you may only have one way to do something and all of a sudden you see other options come in play, other choices, it opens your mind up to say, okay, now maybe there is more than one way to get out of this plane, right? But, you know, I didn't think about getting on top of the seat because I had a game plan because I played sports. And all the teams that I, I played on all the way through, coaches always had a game plan. You had a game plan. So I had a game plan. And my game plan was, and what I kept saying in my head all the way down was, I'll up out, I'll up out, I'll up out. Because if I did survive, now I got to get out. So I said, I'll up and out. That's all I kept saying. So now it's time to me execute. Everybody, we all have to execute. So I started executing. I got to the aisle. That got part one done, right? Now, what happened in the aisle changed, though. When you learn is game plans changed very quickly, right? Because what happened when I got to the aisle, and I was ready to go up and out, I heard my mom start talking to me. And, you know, my mom passed away in 90, 1997. But there was something she would tell my, my sister and brother and I when we were young. It just came to me at that moment. It was, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And I tell people, one of the great things about my mother, there's a lot of great things about my mother, but one thing I think my parents did a lot better than I've done, and probably my wife, 
is they made their kids make decisions early in life and have consequences. And I think one of the things about parenting right now, and I'm guilty of this, I didn't make my kids make decisions early enough in life. So when they had that, that those tough times, that defining time, they could make a decision. But my mom, you know, said that it was, she didn't say go out. She said go back if you do the right thing, right? And the right thing was based on my value set. Even when I was a kid, it was based on what my values were. Right. So, you know, my values are you take care of other people first. I was alive, but you don't know what's going on in the back, right? So that's what I climbed over the seats towards the back to see if anybody needed help. And that's how, when I got back there, things were moving quickly. I mean, things were moving. So, you know, but your chest level water right now, your chest level water. And you got to remember, this is late afternoon, New York City, winter. It gets, it gets dark early, right? Absolutely. So it's dark. It's dark, right? And so it's now you're six degree water. Three degree water. You got a lot of things going on. And the bins are broken open because of the impact, right? So you got a lot of things going on, so, but everybody was moving, right? So I got behind the last person and I started making my way out, right? I was like, okay, now it's time to go. And I saw the light on the right hand side. It's the door 10F. I'm like, okay, time for me to go, right? And I get to the door and I'm ready to climb out and I look out and man, that damn wing was full filled up and the boat was all filled up. There was no room. So that's why I was inside the plane waist deep in 36 degree water for about seven minutes. There was no room for me to climb out. And then they're yelling at me to hold on to the lifeboat. Seven minutes is a long time when every second is an eternity. Well, 36 degree water, right? You got a lot of things. You've just gone through a traumatic experience, right? You're trying to survive. And then they're yelling at you because the lifeboat was actually floating out into the water because part of the story that doesn't get told some of the backstories, that plane floated down the river about a half a mile in 24 minutes. So as that plane was floating down that river, the lifeboat, lifeboat floating out into the river. And no one knew. I mean, who reads the instructions? I didn't. And I guarantee you, doctor, you probably don't read the instructions either, right? But it's actually tethered to the plane. It's tethered, right? But no one knew that. So that's why they wanted me to hold, ask me, because I had leverage. I could actually hold on to the plane and hold on to the lifeboat that's what the picture was taken of me holding on the lifeboat for seven minutes. I mean, now you got seven minutes as an eternity, but but it goes, it's going quickly, but it's going slow, right? About seven minutes into this thing, the plane shifted. And I didn't find out till later, because one of the things I got to do later is I actually got to speak on stage with one of the people who wrote the plan for Maritime Rescues in the Hudson. They wrote the plan. He and I did a seminar together down in New Orleans. It was a planned execution of the Miracle on the Hudson talk. He talked about the plan, and I talked about the execution, and I learned all this. That's how I learned all this. Like, a lot of people don't know this stuff because I was actually with one of the guys who did it. But, you know, what happened was one of the tugboats that was part of the rescue, as he was backing out for the next boat to come in, hit the front of the plane. And I don't know if you've ever seen a tugboat, but they're big, big, heavy boats. They, yeah. they pull, pull planes and pull boats in, right? That's what they do. They yeah. tug boats, and it shook the plane. And all of a sudden, I felt water go up my back. And that's the first time I felt that 36-degree water because I was go, 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 go. I was like, I felt like, oh, man, this thing's going down like Titanic, man. You got to get out of here. And that's when I, I decided I had to swim. I had to jump in and swim. And I tell people that was the longest 15-yard swim of my life because I had to swim to the, end, to the end of that wing where the next that closest boat was. And fortunately, I, my mom and dad made me get swimming lessons. I'm a real big advocate. I do swim now with the Navy SEALs and the special operators to raise money, but I advocate for these kids that need to know how to swim, Absolutely. right? You know I mean, I see so many kids that don't know how to swim, and I see uh, we had two unfortunate people, deaths of high school kids this year in the lake because they didn't know how to swim. 
So I fortunately I knew how to swim. And I said, tell me that's the longest swim I've ever had in my life because I was fully clothed in 36 degree water, right? And I'm slugging along and I get to the end. Now I'm holding on to the wing and bobbing up and down. And now they yell for me to climb. And I'm like, you know, I can't. And then my mom's start talking. It was like, there's no such word as can't. I know why I said it because my mom would never let me say it when I was a kid. Never. That wasn't in her vocabulary. But I got one arm up and the other arm up and someone grabbed me and pulled me on the ferry. And that's how I got onto the ferry. Wow. But now you got another problem. Now you're out of the water. You've been in the water, but now you're out of the water. And 30, you've been in 36 degree water for over seven minutes. And now 11 degree air temperature is in you. Yeah. And I couldn't breathe. I could barely breathe. And I got hypothermia. I could barely breathe. But fortunately, there are people there to you know, help, right? So that that's the point in time where you, you got to now let somebody help you, right? You've been helping, helping, go, 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 go. But now it's like, okay, now it's time somebody else help you. Let them do their jobs, right? So, yeah. So that's how I got, that's how I got off the plane. But, you know, it was, there's so many lessons, depending on what you're looking at, for, you know, business lessons, whatever. There's a lot of lessons out of this. And that's where uh, now I get to do things like I'm doing, how you and I got to meet in San Antonio, Hawaii. You know, I, I get to travel around the world, what I do, coach people, write books, because there are a lot of lessons out of things like this. And as you self-reflect and start asking questions, that's what I started doing. It's like, why did I do this? Why did I do that? Why did I do this? You start learning about yourself, right? And learning that all, and that's why my book Moments Matter was my first book. Because what I realized is all those moments in my life up to that time when I I was 48 at that time contributed to that day. That's what Healed is all about. It's six steps to, you want to honor God within yourself. That's like, kind of like your mom's voice. And how everything leads to this moment, you know, that leads you to your purpose and to the transformation. It's like your mom's voice in your head, right? All these little things that you dismiss as a child. Do you think mom's just being a pain in the butt that saved your life? That's right. Exactly. I mean, I'll give you a specific example. You know, my mom and dad made me learn how to swim. Okay. That was a critical thing. You don't think about it when you're a kid, but... When I was 12, I was in Boy Scouts and going for an award. And one of the things we had to do, one of the activities we had to do is we had to get across a river to get to the next, to do the next activity. And they had a bridge there, but, you know, we were 12 and a bunch of guys was out there. We swam across to get there quick. And I started thinking, it's like, was that the moment, right? When it's going to have to give me the certainty to know I've already done this once in my life, right? Yeah. Maybe not in 36 degree water, but I swam across a river before. And maybe in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? It's gonna be rep- I can pull this thing off because I've done it before. It was a moment, right? Right. And it's like, so I started looking. That's what this, my book, Moments Matters, about. I share the moments that led to that day, right? And I try to get to tell people, it's like, don't dismiss any of these moments, right? Because something happened for a reason in your life. It's going to serve you somewhere in your life. And that's you will never know where it's going to come, right? You never know when it may come. Fascinating, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it is fascinating. It blew my mind, Dr. It blew my mind when I started writing this book and thinking about that. And the way the, that book's title came about, I wasn't, that wasn't even the title. But what happened was, if I have another moment, I'm sitting exactly where I'm sitting right now. I get a phone call from my wife because she got a phone call from a neighbor. They had TV issues. And they asked her if she could come down and help them fix their TV. And now, she's not, she, that's not her bailiwick. So she called me out here and said, can you go down and help them? Sure, right? I mean, listen. I grew up in a small town where you always helped your neighbors. 
yeah. right? That was the model of the world, especially the elderly, right? If they're older people, you help. No questions. Yeah. So I went down and I mean it took me less than five minutes. So I'm pretty good at fixing TVs, right? I like watching my sports. But you know, they said, look, would you stay for milk and cookies? Now, I love milk and cookies, right? Especially if a couple of older ladies could probably bake, right? Oh, yeah. I'm all in, right? I'm all in. So down I live in the south. And we have these things down south. I don't know if you have them where you live. These things called parlors. People still have parlors, right? Where it's a sitting room, right? It's a sitting room where you sit and talk. They put me in the parlor and they had a coffee table out here, Dr. Fred. And they had all these books. I started like flipping through these books, right? And the books, a lot of the books are about World War II. And I love World War II history. So I was like, and then I'm like, wow. I started looking at it and like, wow, I've never seen this. So when they came back with the milk and cookies, I said, hey, where did you get this? Because I've never seen these books. They guess, well, we were there. And they rolled their sleeve up and showed me the numbers and letters down their arm. They survived a concentration camp. Wow. And I'm sitting here going, I'm blown away. Yeah. I've never talked to anybody survived a concentration camp. So I said, listen, you got to tell me your story. So for two hours, they told me this story, right? How they survived. The rest of their family passed away, right, in the concentration camp. But their mother told them, never separate because they're, you're the only people you can count on, right? So that's why I never got married. They, the rest of their life, they stayed together. You know, I, I heard this. It blew me away. So I got back here. And I was, the lady who was helping me, her name was Cindy. I called Cindy. I said, Cindy, I got it. So I told her the story. I said, these women, all their moments in their life mattered. And they made it in their life. That's why they do what they do now, right? Because they, they went through a, a very traumatic, I mean, much more traumatic than me, I think. And they survived. And I said, they made all their moments in their life matter. And they, they paid attention. I said, that's the book. That's the book. Yeah. And that's how the book came about. Wow. What a great story. Yep. I mean, I, I don't know if there's, I mean, they were in their 80s at that point. I don't know if they're still with us or not. This was, well, back in 20, 2015. So they, I don't know if they're still with us. Uh, they no longer live here. I know that. But I tell you, well, that, that was a, a transformational day. Maybe briefly, like, I, I'm sure people are curious, what lessons did you learn? I mean, I'm sure there's a story to everyone, but if you could just yeah. name a few. Number one, I'm sure your family and your kids probably became yeah. a priority time. Yeah, I, I actually vowed at that point, I vowed never to miss another one of their games or, or stuff. And I didn't, uh, you know, because, you know, I missed all that stuff, their plays or meetings or games. I vowed never to do that. But, you know, that's what my, this is what my third book, Dr. Fred, that's coming out in two weeks is about. It's called The Limitless Life. The lessons that were learned from that experience. That's what I talk about in this book. But I'll tell you the one that was like the most, probably the most life changing. And it didn't happen that day. It happened a few weeks after because it was like three or four weeks after that I and other passengers and the crew got invited to be on Good Morning America. And, you know, I was very honored to be a part of that group. And, you know, if you've ever been on, you've probably been on some TV shows, they got green rooms, right? So they put you in the green room, right? So we're in the green room after the event, and we're all talking. But one of the passengers got very emotional. He just started going off. And I was thinking, I was like, what's wrong with this guy? I mean, you know, we're on national TV, and we survived a plane crash. I mean, life's pretty good, right? Yeah. So when I found out, though, I talked to somebody. He was going through a divorce, and he lost his job. And so the meaning he attached to that, that incident was a devastation. That was the meaning, right? Everything in his life is going to hell in a handbasket. And I realized that how many times in my life have I judged somebody so quickly? Before I knew their backstory, before I had a conversation, I've done this all my life, Dr. Fred. I was judging people before I would even say, I mean, 
my dad, I guess I grew up in the 30s, right? I mean, and, and we would watch TV in the 60s, and he was going to call those long-haired hippie freaks, right? Uh, he judged them immediately, right? They're long-haired hippie freaks. Yeah. So, and I said, if I could change this one thing, if I could change this, stop being so judgmental and start talking to people before I made any judgments, how could that change my life? And that's exactly what happened. And it opened up everything in my life. I started meeting people around the world that I would never have ever spoken to because I said, you know what? I'm going to try not to judge people before I get to know them a little bit. And that is the biggest lesson now of the Miracle on the Hudson. I tell people, if you can just be a little less, less, less judgmental, watch what happens. You get relationships. You and I would never had this conversation. That's, never. Never. Well, it's you know? Right. That's right. That's yes. right. So, and that's uh, really, that's really our journey. You know, if you think about it, man, our, what, what are we here for? The, the longest, shortest journey from our head to our heart, right? That's right. It's the longest. Um, exactly, exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. It's just change that one, one dynamic in your life. Watch, watch how your life multiplies so quickly. My God, miracles happen. Yep. It's yep. So, awesome. so well, yeah, so. It's, a, it's a compelling, I mean, not even compelling, captivating story. So, you know, what, what would you like to leave our listeners with? You know, probably, well, well, A, I don't think there's any more impactful message than live with unconditional love, right? And see yep. unity in all people. Like, it just doesn't get any better yeah. than that. But if you'd like yeah, to do something, what, what would that be? Well, you know, I'll give you an analogy or something I, I learned. Because one of the things I could talk about, I love Marvel movies. I grew up reading all these comics, right? I love these comics. And now they're in, on the movie screen, right? So it's, like, very cool for me, right? A kid of the 60s, because you and I are the same age. Yeah. But it was one of the movies. I want to leave this. There's a movie called Doctor Strange. Yeah. And if you've never seen Doctor Strange, right, it's a story, right? But it's his backstory, which I, this is what all of them have a backstory. You can learn something. But it's that moment when the ancient one's ready to go, right? She's, she's just been killed. She's in that middle stage. She's ready to go. And she's sitting there talking to Doctor Strange. And he's like, you can't leave. You can't leave. I haven't learned enough yet. And she looks at him and says, Stephen, you still don't get it. It's not about you. And I think that's one thing I want to leave people with. Remember, especially this season, it's not about you. There's a bigger mission, a bigger vision out there for all of us. And if you can just check your ego at the door, right? Because one of the things that you heard me talk about, one of the things I talk about is, you know, stop needing to be right to do the right, just do the right thing. Stop needing to be right. Because it's not about you, right? And that's the problem. I think a lot of problems we're having right now is that people think they have to be right all the time. And you know what? If you're right all the time, someone else has got to be wrong. And what happens? Judgment. What happens? Separation. Right. So I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that one thing with your audience. Remember, it's not about you. You start thinking about the bigger picture and watch what happens. Well, you know, on that note right there, you can, everyone who's listening can cancel all their counseling appointments. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> you won't need psychotherapy after that one, man, because yeah. that one puts you in your heart and your whole life already. Yeah. So. Yep. So well, thank, thank you, you so much for sharing. I know there's probably so many more details and emotions that you could have shared. Like we could probably go on for yeah. five hours on that alone. So I just well, want to thank well, you thank for you. Your time and sharing your story. I would love to stay connected. And uh, certainly sure. if I can be of any service to you, I, I, hey, it's not about us, right? So anything. Well, thank you very much. I'll just say that the 15th anniversary is coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to launch my third book called The Limitless Life. 
And that's about the lessons from that day. That's exactly what that book is written for. It's the 15 lessons that really came out of the miracle on the Hudson for me. And how you, if you just if you look at this either individually or collectively, how just one of them can just change the course of your life, right? So it's coming out January 15th. Uh, just remember all of us on January 15th, we're going to be thanking the first responders that day because they're the ones that made it happen. You know, if they're not there, I'm not here today, right? So it's, it's going to be a day of gratitude. Well, what I'd love to do is have uh, Kelly, your executive assistant, send me an email uh, around that time of your launch if we'd like to do a quick video and I'll email it out and how to get that book. And I certainly would love a copy. And let's do this. We'll do that. We'll do that. I'll tell you what, we'll do that. And I'll be in New York City. So we may do it just from, uh, if you want to do it, I did, we'll do a quick video from New York City, right where it's all happening. Yeah, perfect. Hey, right. thanks so much for your time. Uh, love and appreciate Thank you. you. And uh, Stay here. just one Stay second, here. hang on a sec. for listening to the Healed with Dr. Fred podcast. If you feel you had an enlightening experience, please comment, leave us a great review, and please share this with your family, friends, and on your social media. For more and even greater breakthroughs in your life, you can go to Healed with Dr. Fred YouTube, Healed with Dr. Fred Facebook, Dr. Fred underscore D. Domenico on Instagram, and The Healed System on youaremorepowerful.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-M-O-R-E, powerful.com. Stay with us for more episodes with people who will bring you more enlightenment, faith, inspiration, and meaning into your life. Blessings to you all.